Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by CMU Associate Professor of Teacher Education, Anne Gillis. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And I have here that you have been teaching for 21 years. Correct. Full-time teaching. Wow. That is amazing. I, I, I think about all the people you have influenced and helped shape in life. And it's just really exciting to think about those numbers. And I mean, now it's at a completely different level because you started at elementary, right? Correct. And now here you are teaching university students to be teachers. Um, how did, I guess, walk us back through that whole experience, where it started, how, what drew you to teaching in the first place? I began teaching in Columbus, Ohio, and I taught students with disabilities for five years, and then I moved to Sarasota, Florida, and taught there for 10 years. My teaching experience with young kids has been primarily at the elementary school level, students with disabilities or exceptionalities. And I've worked a lot in my career with students with pretty significant disabilities, students who need a lot of support. So I spent 15 years in the field. I was starting to get a little frustrated with the lack of control I had over what I could do in the program that I was working within with my students. I am such a very um, strong advocate for inclusive education, and I really in Florida wanted to include all of my students with exceptionalities in general education classes as much as possible. And I had a little bit of hesitation from my school administration, and it really frustrated me. It limited what I wanted to do. So I thought, I'm going to go back to school and see if I can influence a change at a different level. And I was very, very nervous. I just have a passion for working with young kids, and I get a big kick out of spending time with them. They make me laugh. I am inspired by them. I just get a lot of joy out of working with young kids. So I thought, oh boy, (laughs) college students is going to be a huge change. I was very tentative, but I came to CMU about eight years ago, and I have loved it. My students are just phenomenal teachers and people, and I get just as much joy out of watching them teach young children as I did when I taught. So I am enjoying this position and working with my CMU students immensely, and I'm so glad I made the change. So I think a lot of times, you know, somebody will know they want to go into the teaching field. Um, They kind of known it from a young age. You said you've known it from a young age. But what made you want to focus your career and your work on students in the special education field or students with disabilities? So I, when I was about 10 years old, I volunteered at the Columbus Zoo as a zoo aide in the petting zoo area. And one day, a class of students with physical disabilities came into the petting zoo to enjoy the goats and the sheep. And that was the first time at that point in my life at 10 years old that I had seen peers, you know, student kids my age who looked and acted really different. 
Um, the kiddos, the students that came into the zoo had uh, helmets, a couple of them because of seizure disorder. A couple of the children used wheelchairs. A couple of the children had behaviors that I had never seen before. And it was just so interesting to me, um, just that I had never met any peers like this. So that sparked another volunteer opportunity that my parents helped me get into, and that was in a classroom of students with significant disabilities. So I did that probably when I was 11 or 12, and then I have been in the field ever since. And I really just appreciate the difference that students with exceptionalities present. It's a challenge at times, and I really enjoy the challenge. Special education grants a teacher to work individually with students, and that is a gift to have the opportunity to really get to know individual students one-on-one and plan instruction and strategies and programs around one particular student because these students are so unique. So I really like that challenge as well. And then the rewards in this field are very great to be a part of helping a child develop a functional communication system is just like a miracle. And helping a student with severe behaviors uh, learn to regulate and be comfortable in all kinds of situations, it's just very rewarding to see the progress as well. So, You said you were, you know, about 10 years old when you became aware of human differences. And I think we get so caught up in our own lives that oftentimes we forget to kind of be present and notice what's happening around us. Is that something you teach in your classes or is that, how do you bridge that of, yes, we need to be aware of, of everyone and their differences, but also our, our likeness and how we are the same? It, that is a very popular theme in all of my classes. We as teachers need to build community within our own classrooms. And nowadays, Classroom communities are very, very diverse in many different ways. And that theme of including everybody, making sure everybody feels that they belong, being mindful and aware of how we connect all of our similarities and our differences and to value those differences, that's a huge part of teacher education. So you, you've you got it exactly right. And strategies just include reflecting, talking as a group in my CMU classes, practicing community building in schools with actual kids. So just more practice, being mindful, being aware of who is in the room with you, who your students are, and setting up activities that show strengths, that enable students within your class to help each other, to learn to depend on one another. Again, all this builds community and it is awareness of how we all are similar and different and how we all really belong together. We talk a lot about um, this idea on campus that we need to show up with humility and realize that we don't have the answers and maybe the right terminology every time we meet someone who maybe is a little different than, than ourselves. How do you navigate this ever-changing world of inclusivity and how do you stay on top of it and also accept that maybe not everybody is in the same uh, ballpark as you? Oh, it's that's a humility is very important. 
characteristic. And we do this, the field of education and special education changes, the vocabulary changes all the time, our ideas change, the way in which we approach teaching, assessing, everything changes. So we're used to that for sure. And we welcome anybody to engage in conversations about education, about students. We're very gracious. Um, We want to educate people of appropriate terms and vocabulary, things that have changed. We do not punish people for using words that are outdated, um, but and the vocabulary changes all the time. I stay current by staying involved in the disability community, by staying connected with local nonprofit agencies in the community, by spending a lot of time with people with ex- exceptionalities in their families, uh, by reading, by staying current in the literature and the research. But the one thing that we can be certain of is that the vocabulary and ideas change all the time. So, so it's about not being fearful and just kind of fearful. jumping in and, and knowing that it's okay if you make a mistake. Yes. Jump in and talk. Uh, ignoring the differences that exist in human beings is not the answer to us being coming more inclusive and comfortable in our situation. So yes, talk, ask questions. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful of making any mistakes. Nobody would ever be upset about a vocabulary word that is out of date. It's it's just the nature of education for things to change. And we just appreciate having the space to talk about everything. So one term that you've used that I had not heard of before is students with exceptionalities. And when you said that, I loved it because it feels like more inclusive language. I think sometimes when you hear a person with disabilities, there's negative connotations that can be associated with that word. And so using this word exceptionalities, I thought was really interesting and I loved it. So I was wondering if we could explore a little bit more about if there's a shift happening to kind of move away from the term disability, if it's okay to use both disability and exceptionalities, I thought that might be good for our listeners to know. I think your observation is one and the way that you feel about the word exceptionalities, you mentioned just it feels better, it feels more inclusive. That's the exact purpose of using and changing the vocabulary. And the community, the disability community, the education community, the community at large use all kinds of different vocabulary words, and they're all okay. And especially if you're speaking with a person with a disability, the way that they refer to themselves is very important to pay attention to and to respect. So people, everybody does use their own kind of language. But my job, I think here, and with my future student, my teachers, my CMU students who will be future teachers, is that awareness of if a word make somebody feel negative or is has a negative connotation or might elicit a negative reaction or a focus on something that's not positive, we want to change that word and make it whatever elicits the opposite effect. We want our students to be referred to and looked at as wonderful, capable children who are strong and have wonderful strengths and personalities and yeah so it's really about respecting and valuing each individual and and celebrating those differences exactly when you teach students to be teachers in a special education classroom 
are what are the what are the differences that you're teaching as opposed to a classroom of students who um, are not students with exceptionalities? Sure. So there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. In special education, we definitely focus on individual students. When you're in general education, oftentimes classes are filled with 30 kids, and that's really hard for one teacher to focus on individual personalities and needs and strengths of all 30 of those kids. So in special education, we're granted the opportunity to get to know students individually. So I try to teach my CMU students to look at each student, each young child as a unique individual, and to look for strengths as well as areas in need of support across learning domains. So we look at the whole child, we look at language and gross and fine motor um, skills and um, adaptive behavior and self-help skills and social, emotional, and behavioral characteristics and cognitive strengths and all kinds of different parts of the same kiddo. And we look for strengths to use, and then we make sure we identify areas that we can support a child in their growth as well. So it's all about looking at kids as individuals and valuing everything that individual child brings. I know that parents obviously play a role in their children's education, especially at the elementary, middle, high school level, but I would assume it's almost a different level of interaction and engagement with parents when their student does have an exceptionality. What does that look like? Is that a big piece of what you're training our CMU students to be able to manage and handle, or is that a pretty small piece and it's more the focus is on students? Family interactions is a huge piece, very, very huge, because you become a partner with the family in the education of these of all kids. But parents and family members often come to teachers, special education teachers with a lot of fears, with a lot of anxiety, with a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty. So teachers do become confidants, counselors, supporters, encouragers, as well as teachers. And we oftentimes teach parents strategies that we're using in the classroom. So dealing with family members is a huge part of our curriculum here at CMU in the preparation of our future teachers for sure. And when you have parents on board, family members on board, you can do a lot with with students. You can make huge progress, and you can really impact a whole family's quality of life in a really positive way. So that partnership with families is essential, and we talk about it in every class here as well. It's great that you just hit on how important it is that you really do impact a, a family, right? And that's through education, but it's also just through that human piece of just being someone who cares and is there and is listening and who, you know, it it matters, you know, every minute that you spend with the student, you're helping shape them into, you know, who they're going to be when they grow up. That's right. It's a wonderful job. It is a fantastic career. It is a just heartwarming, it's hard, (laughs) but it is a very, um, satisfying way to spend every day of your working career. So I would highly recommend teacher education. I wonder how you've been doing it for so many years. How has the education world evolved over time? What have you seen? There has been a lot of evolution in this field, which is really good. The acceptance of all students has been my most exciting 
piece of progress to witness. And it's not just students with exceptionalities, but it's students of color, it's students with different sexual orientations, it's students who come from different places, who have different languages as their first language. To me, that inclusivity and that diversity that can exist within one class is absolutely beautiful. So our field, education as a field, as a country, we have really evolved and progressed in accepting all students, however they come to us. And I think that has really done a lot for who we are as human beings. So that's been my favorite advancement. Um, We are currently, we in the schools see a lot of kiddos who come from trauma. So that's kind of our next, we have made, I have seen even in the local school district, excellent efforts to address the social, emotional, and behavioral needs of students who come to school now having experienced traumatic events in their lives. And that, I'm sure, trauma has always existed in families and in the world, but in education, we see more of that in classrooms and kids experiencing challenges learning due to feeling insecure and having really not good things happen in their lives. So that's been the next piece of advancement that I've been happy to see education address um, by putting all kinds of emotional behavior supports in place for kids that are very positive, taking time out of an academic day to really talk with kids and listen to kids and address social emotional issues and insecurities. I'm happy to see that because it's necessary. So we're, we're getting there. We're, there's a lot of work to be done in education still, but I do like to see these efforts at advancement. I really love to hear you talk about the advancements in education because sometimes I feel like you only hear the negatives and all of the problems that we have in our education system. So it's great to hear firsthand from a teacher who's been in it and who is teaching our next generation of teachers that there's a lot of remarkable work happening and that we are making advancements and that our education system is getting better. It's it's just nice to hear that as somebody from the outside and somebody who has a young child who right now is in daycare and will be, you know, in the next couple of years advancing up to to our public education system. There are wonderful things happening every day in classrooms. And I'm very proud of that. And I'm just going to spin it the whole other side. So I apologize now, but you know, I'm glad Caitlin brought up that piece, but I think how can we better support our teachers? Because you just listed so many, so many jobs of a teacher. It's not just math, science, social studies, it's emotional well-being of each and every student. And so how can we as citizens help support Um, these teachers and know that they are, you guys are doing the best you can every day. And it's really hard. And, you know, we hear about burnout in in the healthcare fields and, you know, in, in teacher, I just heard it this morning on the radio, teachers are feeling that burnout too. And how can we, what can we do better? I would recommend just giving as much support, encouragement, positive feedback as you can to teachers, appreciating them. If you have children in school, just showing appreciation for the time and the effort that that your teacher makes. And that's done through thanking them and telling them the positive things they see 
in growth in their child. So it's just recognition also of just how hard teachers work. So any way that you can support and encourage and motivate and positively reinforce teachers for the job, the good work that they do, um, praising them, appreciating what they're doing, thanking them, I think I think that's... That simple form of gratitude really form just, that means a lot. It goes does a long mean ways. a lot. Yes. So you are the advisor for CMU's Council for Exceptional Children, and it's our student chapter. I wanted to talk a little bit about the work that you and our students in that um, chapter are doing because it's pretty incredible work. Great. So yes, the CEC Club, we call ourselves, we have been in operation for about seven years now. And just about every month, we are out in the community supporting local nonprofit agencies that support students, adults, families with exceptionalities. We also support agencies that are just um, concerned with helping make the community more inclusive. We partner also with the local school district, District 51. Our club throws all kinds of holiday parties and seasonal parties for classrooms in District 51. And that's very fun because we get to practice at CMU. Um, The CMU students get to practice their teaching skills. And then the kids, of course, don't object to any parties, educational parties being thrown in their classroom. So we are very active in the community. And the premise of the club is about promoting inclusive education, promoting inclusivity in Grand Junction as a community, really promoting the value, the acceptance and value and appreciation of human differences. So we don't exclude anybody, obviously. Um, And we, on our club is comprised of not only education majors, but kinesiology majors and business majors, majors from all all sorts of departments. Um, we, we have been traveling uh, in the past, and we're hoping to travel again. Uh, we've presented at conferences, uh, things about community building and uh, strategies to include students. Uh, so our club is definitely about including students, all students, and making our community and our schools very accepting and welcoming to everybody. And it's just a fun club. We have a good time. I would highly recommend emailing me and I'll put you on the email list. And I believe that one local project that your club has contributed to is looking at our parks here in Grand Junction and how to make them more inclusive for students with exceptionalities. I know recently I was out at the Canyon View Park and there's now a swing that children who are in wheelchairs can fully go on and have the experience like any other Isn't child. That awesome? Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about kind of what your um, group has contributed to, to that? Sure. So we were asked by Strive. Strive is a local nonprofit that supports individuals with developmental and intellectual disabilities. They came to our club and asked, they had just moved. They were originally on Grand Avenue and now they're near St. Mary's on Wellington. They had this nice new space that was empty and they were they are in the process of making it an accessible playground for kids. So uh, they approached our club and asked if we would come and look at the space and give some recommendations. So we did that last year. We just went to the space, uh, several, like 12 of our club members assessed the space and we're all brainstorming ideas. Oh, I think a water table would be 
awesome here. And oh, we have to make sure that kiddos who use wheelchairs can get into this space and can have accessibility to these activities. And so we just did a bunch of brainstorming. And um, the Strives administration was very excited to receive all of our recommendations and dreams. And they have started, I don't, I'm not sure how feasible financially our ideas were because they were pretty wild and, and extravagant. But the administration at Strive was very happy to work with us and get our ideas. And they have begun construction of, I've seen a couple of items on the playground already. So it's going to be, as Canyon View Park is, an accessible playground for all kiddos. And that's awesome. It's fun. It really is wonderful. And I, I like that we're actually, you know, a lot of us go to Canyon View Park and we're seeing the work that you and your students are doing, you know, in outside the classroom. It's really incredible work. I'm wondering if you could give a couple other examples of projects you guys have worked on. Because I know, yeah, seven years, you know, getting rolling up your sleeves, get, getting out in the community. You've done a lot. Absolutely. Another agency, nonprofit that we partner with a lot is Mosaic. And Mosaic is another just local agency who has really been interested in partnering with us. That agency serves a lot of adults. And a lot of those adults have always wished to come to CMU. They just love CMU and love the idea of being a college student. So over the years, we have invited um, those individuals served by Mosaic to come to CMU to join our CMU classes. And so our classes then have become very, very diverse. They'll visit, you know, for a day and engage in community building activities and social emotional kinds of awareness activities, getting to know our similarities as a group and our differences. So we do that pretty regularly. We have visits in our CMU college classes by individuals um, from the community, especially through Mosaic. Mosaic comes quite often. And then we'll meet them in the community as well and have dinner every once in a while and um, go to their events. There's a prom. Uh, hopefully, we'll pick up again this year, but it's um, it's called The Prom, and it's for individuals with disabilities. And our club members come and just mingle and make it more inclusive and party and have a good time and dance and eat. And so Sounds that's so a fun. really fun annual event. Um, it's a big deal. Tuxes are donated for the gentlemen and beautiful prom dresses are available and donated. And it's a big deal. People rent limos. I mean, it's a big prom. And our actually our club members fight over who can attend. So we try not to, you know, overtake the whole thing. But it's a, it's a very popular event. Um, other activities that we have done in the field, uh, well, soon upcoming in April is the Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Association Walk. So that is coming April the 9th. So our club will be, we have a team uh, that we're going to participate in the walk because it's a fundraiser for the Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Association. We'll, as a team, participate in the walk, and then we're going to set up a table. Um, the, after the walk, they have a little community fair. So we'll bring activities and fun games to do with the families and the kiddos. So we've done things like that every year as well since we have begun. It is just a lot of fun. You are just a delight in this bright light in the world. It has been so nice talking to you Thank today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for your insightful questions. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.